Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Bad Times Good Stories Podcast Quarantine Edition. I'm Joe Flanders and I'm thrilled that you are here for today's conversation with Black Bell Brides drummer Christian Coma. He's uh, one of my favorite people. I've known him for almost a decade now, uh, which is crazy. Uh, he's just one of the best people that I know. And, uh, you know, he's, he's been on Average Joe a handful of times, which was a lot of fun uh, to work with him on that. And uh, anyway, we, we talk about some, um, some embarrassing and uh, hazardous um, romantic entanglements that uh, he found himself in. And we also just kind of do a deep dive on into the struggles of uh, being a musician in L.A. and, and chasing that dream and uh, all the stuff that happened before he found success playing in front of 90,000 people at a music festival in Europe uh, with Black Bell Brides. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. I know that I've been on a sabbatical for like six months, um, but I'm glad to be, uh, you know, if there's one positive in all this, it's fairly easy to connect with people and do these Zoom interviews. The downside of Zoom interviews is that the audio at times is a little choppy. So sorry about that, but I think by and large, it's, uh, it's pretty solid. So I hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Christian Cohn. CC, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic on this lovely day in Southern California. How are you today? <laughs> uh, yeah, the same. Um, I almost feel like an idiot even asking people how they're doing because we're all doing the same at this point. Yeah, trying, <laughs> trying not to go get stir crazy. Uh, I did quarantine and uh, stay with a friend one night. And I, the next day, I, uh, I thought I, I got the COVID, man. And, and I, got, like, I got super freaked. I was having like, I don't know if it was just anxiety or what, but I was flipping out. And so I kind of took that as like a lesson, just like stay at home. But I yeah. made sure this friend uh, hadn't been anywhere or you know, like gone out, stayed home for a month and stuff like that. And so, uh, yeah, it was just kind of a, le a lesson learned the hard way. And so I even got tested last Friday, which by obviously, uh, by Friday I was feeling fine, but, um, yeah, just trying to stay, you know, sane, do at home workouts and, you know, help, help the family out and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. For, viewers or listeners uh la is actually opened up testing to all you know anybody in la county which is pretty cool um whether you have you know blatant symptoms or not uh you can get tested which is nice for your, a peace of mind um, yeah I, I was like i'm for sure either that yeah. or i'm having like a minor heart attack and so uh <laughs> i just had like some tightness in my chest uh i think that was probably because uh i was like taking pre-workout and that may have like interacted with medication and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that, that will do it to you. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, but uh, it's funny how you mentioned, like you made sure your friend hadn't like gone anywhere or anything else. I feel like that's just going to become like, you know, we're all just going to be like drilling each other, you know, where have you been? What have you been up to? Who have you? Totally. totally. <laughs> if I, I've been saying like, I don't know when this is going to open up. I'm in a group chat with, you know, different groups of friends and stuff like that. And I'm just like, well, LA's, you know, supposed to open up soon. So I mean, this problem hasn't gone away yet. So like, you know, the infection number is going to skyrocket. And then, you know, 
then I get in my head and I'm just like, I'm never going to be able to leave home again, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. You know, because I do have elderly parents. And so that's the reason why. And if it was just me, fine. I would have probably been out this whole time and been, you know, just wearing a mask and taking safety precautions, obviously. But um, I, I think I'm probably, you know, could, could fight it. But, you know, with elderly parents and having to help them very often, I, I don't, you know, it's, it definitely causes a, a bit of animosity, not animosity. Yeah. I want to yeah. fight. Concern. Yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> angry. Damn you parents. Yeah. Damn you. Damn you old folk. Uh, no, it's, uh, I mean, it, it is concerning. And so, you know, having to take all the, I just don't know when I'm going to be able to leave, you know? And so, right. yeah. and then there's that whole other thing. Like, I think if I'm a, for those of you who don't know, I am a professional musician and I tour in a band uh, internationally. And so for, you know, for the time being, if I go on tour, like, and we have like these VIP meet and greets and stuff like that, um, that's a whole nother realm of, you know, worries and anxiety to deal with. And so, um, you know, every once in a while, I'll just sit here and get in my head and get super depressed. And, you know, hopefully I talk to some friends that pull me out of it. And yeah, dude. No, that, that every like once every like two weeks, I just like embrace the sadness of all of it. Yeah. <laughs> like day to day, I'm okay. But now I just, you know, something will hit me or, you know, like I'll just uh, like I work at a, I'm actually wearing the shirt. I didn't mean to, but I work at a summer camp where I teach kids how to make movies every summer. And like, I kind of held out hope like foolishly that it would still happen, you know? And uh, cause they have, the kids come from all over the yeah. world and it's, it's a cool thing. And they haven't, like uh it's possible the last two sessions in like early august might happen but when they when they said like it's probably not going to happen it just hit me really hard and so then it's just like oh right and then that turned into when will i be able to do anything will i ever be able to leave this you know what i mean uh yeah same. and then i just uh you know i'm sad for like a couple hours and then i'm like well nothing i can do about it <laughs> yeah same i'm like ah oh, man yeah it's it gets to you. But, it does. Uh, you know, um, having, having a good good support group and friends and stuff like that and obviously doing things, you know, like this. To, yeah, to, it goes a long way, just having some interaction, albeit oh, digitally. So yeah. I pride myself on my segues. Um, it's probably been hard to find any romance in this uh, lockdown pandemic. Is that uh, accurate? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, every romantic encounter, if you will, uh, <laughs> of a uh, FaceTime or a, a Zoom call or something, yeah. you know, some form of technology and not, you know, not the right technology, but just some form of technology, uh, you know, interacting with people, uh, which, oh, I mean, it opens up a whole new world. You could, you know, date people all over the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. Uh, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of tough at this point, you know, to definitely. Stuff. But I understand that, uh, you know, we could we can tr time time travel to uh, the days when we could interact with people, and from what I understand, that isn't so easy either. Uh, no, no. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll you got some stories. All we all we have is time. To reflect and think about you know memories and things like that, whether good, yeah. whether bad. Uh, for some reason, I have such a twisted mind that it loves to just fuck with me and. Uh, it just replays every embarrassing thing that I've ever done in my life. And then you're I, on the right show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so it's literally, I'll stay up until about five 30 in the morning sometimes 
just thinking about every completely embarrassing thing that I've ever done. And so um, there's one story that I'd love to share with you today. Uh, Please. <laughs> so, you know, uh, as I mentioned previously, I'm in a, an international touring band. And so when we're not on tour, we're at home, we have a lot of free time and, you know, downtime and stuff like that. And so when you're traveling with people, and you know you develop these friendships and things like that you just want to hang out with them and you're kind of comfortable in your bubble if you will you know and so um we have this merch guy named uh jesse and i used to hang out with him all the time at the i you know on off times or down times when we weren't touring and stuff and so he had a roommate named billy and both of those friends have helped me you know move into apartments move out you know at the drop of a hat because i was dating a, a psychopath uh, that was abusive. And so one time when she was at work, I mean, I'll, I'll get into that. Actually, I'll probably have to get into that story. So uh, these guys have been around for years. Jesse sells our merchandise on the road. And so um, I started dating this particular girl. I will uh, refrain from mentioning her name. And Want to give uh, her a fake name? Sure. We'll call her Lori. Lori? Okay. <laughs> it was not Lori. This is a fictitious name. <laughs> But uh, so there's this girl I was dating named Lori, and uh, how this all started, now that we already mentioned technology and dating, uh, you know, every once in a while through like Twitter, this was years and years ago, I can't even remember how long ago, but um, and I saw this like really attractive girl like DMing me and she had a great sense of humor and I remember actually saying this to myself like, oh, this girl's pretty and she's funny and seems, you know, intelligent enough. Uh, I would love to find a girl like that. You know, I'd love to date a girl like this. Like, where are these types of women like in my life? Why are they always sure. on the internet or just far away or like, you know, in some random like, ooh, hot singles are looking for you in your area. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, they're not, asshole. This is no, this is not. I've met know. all the singles and they're not hot. <laughs> yes. And so, uh, anyways, you know, to fast forward, we developed this relationship and, uh, we we saw it we started you know talking online and developed this relationship and then finally the the uh time came where uh we were to meet and i haven't exactly been batting a thousand on people i've met on the internet they're all crazy and it all ends up in some kind of tragedy heartbreak or some big dramatic moment and so um, i had a lot of trepidation going into this and so i was like sure let's meet at a public place uh this is back when a band, it was a cover band called Steel Panther, which is a really awesome yet ridiculous like cover band. They're incredibly talented, uh, but they wear like spandex and have, you know, this big uh, flamboyant hair. And, you know, they're just an incredible band. So I used to go like every Monday when the House of Blues in Hollywood was open. So I was like, hey, so I'm going to be going to House of Blues this Monday to go see Steel Panther. I always get a table on the balcony, like in the middle somewhere. So, um, you know, I'm bringing my buddies, Jesse and Billy, like, would you guys, you know, would you want to come hang out? Uh, you know, totally up to you. No pressure. She's like, yeah, I'll bring some friends too. It sounds like a fun night. So I remember uh, get, getting at this table. She's supposed to be there at nine. And I'm like, you know, a little nervous. Uh, nine comes uh, around. Sorry. How long had it been? How long had you guys been like talking online at this point? I don't know. Maybe a couple weeks. Okay, know? cool. Yeah, yeah. A few weeks a month or so you know and I, I got to the point where i'm like oh she doesn't appear to be a serial killer uh or a crazy person little did i know uh you know looks can be very deceiving so anyhow um 
So uh, I'm waiting for her at this table and I'm just sitting there waiting and nine o'clock shows up and she's not there. And I'm starting to get nervous. I'm like, fuck, dude, I got stood up. So then, um, you know, I'm with Billy and they're like, dude, don't worry, chill. It's like, watch the show. It was like 9.30 comes around and I'm like super stressed. I'm like, dude, she's a half hour late. And it's like 9.45 and it's like 9.50. And I'm like, all right, like I got stood up. And so I'm like kind of bummed and I just start ordering like tons of shots. And I'm like, all right, that's it. Like we're yep. getting hammered. It's like an hour, hour late now. And at that point, I mean, like in hindsight, I'm like, dude, she's an hour late, whatever. But I was just like, it's probably a fake page, you know, like some <laughs> fan created this fake persona online, you yeah. know, you can never like- I catfished. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Catfish. You can never- I believe anything you see on the internet anymore I feel like so sure enough I get like hammered and uh because I'm just like you know self-medicating to make me forget my of course you know my rejection that just is taking currently taking place I'm in the midst drink of away the sadness and all of a sudden this this girl uh Lori will call her shows up I remember she was like absolutely gorgeous and I was like, oh, my God, wow. She just had this gaggle of friends that were all beautiful. It was like this whole team of, like, stunning-looking women. And I remember <laughs> just going, oh, my God. Like, wow, this is good. And so uh, I'll fast forward to, to this <clears throat> because this is not the important part. This is all one big elaborate setup for my story. Sure. Up. And so, um, you know, we, we dated for I don't even know. I've. I've literally repressed every memory from that relationship because it was so terrible uh but it turns out she had you know several mental illnesses and mm. was uh at times very verbally abusive and threatening and um for one particular evening we were at a bar it was in hollywood called angels and kings at the time it's no longer open and i was just at the booth hanging out with my buddy and we were you know having some drinks I showed up with this girl named Lori and uh, she got mad for some reason and marched off. We got in an argument. I'm like, what are you doing? Like I, you went to go buy drinks at the bar. You just never came back. So she got mad, started screaming at me. And I'm like, this girl is a psycho. She marches off, comes back. And there's a guy that looks exactly like me. And <laughs> like long black hair, wearing a bandana. She goes up to him and completely punches him right in the mouth. Cause she thought it was me outside yeah. the club. And I'm like, what in the fuck Ugh. are you doing? And this guy's like, Oh, crazy bitch. I don't even know you. <laughs> and like, so I'm like, dude, there's that, that girl was like captain red flags. Like that, <laughs> that's her nickname. You know, it's like everything she did was a red flag, like flirting with other dudes, <laughs> you know, like just wanting expensive gifts. Like, so many crazy she was just a crazy person and i'm not trying to make light of mental illness but when um when it becomes to the point where it's like abusive and you yes. know, your significant other no longer feels safe in a relationship and you know you try to get them help and they refuse it and they don't they swear they don't need medication they swear they don't need to talk to anybody and they're not the problem you're the problem i think that's the the problem and i know it's a lot for certain people to admit that they have mental illness and right. need help however uh, you know it got to the point to where it was dangerous and you know dishes were getting broken and 
all the neighbors thought that I was the abusive one, but it was actually the exact opposite. And at that point I couldn't leave the relationship. And so. Did you just uh, feel committed to it at that point? Like you could, well, why couldn't I, you I leave? Cared about, I cared about her. A lot. Right. Right. Yeah. And then and I was also scared to leave because of what would happen. And so, um, you know, it got to the point to where I had to literally wait till she went to work and uh, my buddies, Jesse and Billy, I was like, she's at work. I got to get out of here. Bring your truck. And so we literally just got all my clothes. I left all the furniture, plates, towels, like everything. Like right. line opener, <laughs> like all my knife set. Uh, I, like I'm so pissed. I should have, I should have taken everything because she was not good to me. But um, so I left everything and I just bailed. I, I got I got my clothes, my PlayStation, and my movies, and I left everything else, and I just got out of there when she was at work. So she came home, and obviously I got in trouble, and she was like, did you move out? And I'm just like, yeah, I told you for, like, months I was leaving you. Today's the day. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she would not get over the fact that I left her, and how could I leave her? Like, she's, you know, and the whole ego thing came into play and stuff like right. that. Victim so mentality this, type. Yeah, so through this breakup, um, you know, after that, it got to the point to eventually she was like writing me threatening text messages and left me a, a threatening email or e emails, text messages and a voicemail. She just called me crazy, threatening, you know, and I was on tour um, months after that. And she was like, you know, you go to Atlanta, no one's going to be able to save you. I know people there like pretty much insinuating that she's going to have me killed. Right. Yeah. And so I read, uh, you know, several months after that, that she was like playing the victim card online and stuff like that. And, and I, you know, have a little bit of power and a, a tiny bit of intellect. And I'm like, no, crazy person. This is not how this is going to work out. And so I took her voicemail and I ended up making that the intro to my drum solo. And it was a voicemail of her saying that if you don't pay me rent by tomorrow, you better not change your name and your face but you better change everything about you because you're going to die. Call me back. Like pretty much you have to pay for my rent still and like, or you're going to die. And so I, I just flipped the switch when I saw her playing the victim. And so I started my drum solo with that. And so uh, for uh, like a full tour, which was incredible. <laughs> I got to the point where I just heard her disgusting voice by the end of the tour. And I was like, or like, like, five shows in and I'm like, I don't know if I could do this the whole tour. Like I can't hear her voice. Right. I was going to ask. Yeah. It's just a constant reminder of turmoil and heartbreak and, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, there was, uh, I went through a very dark period and uh, there was a lot of rebuilding internally that I had to do, you know, and, and mentally and, you know, bring my self esteem back up because less than a week after I left her, she was already like sleeping with one of my friends. And so, um, she was a very person. She, she would say hurtful things and she pulled a knife on me in my own apartment. You know, anytime I'd try to leave because I didn't feel unsafe, she would say she called the cops and say that I hit her, which I never laid a finger on her. But it, it got to this point where it was just like, one of us is going to end up in jail or I'm going to end up dead. You know? Right. Yeah. And so I had to get out of there. And so anyway... So yeah, fast forward during the rebuilding process, there was this whole um, side and I just chose to not really 
deal with it. I wanted that part of my life over. And so like every mutual friend or people that I met through her, uh, I just didn't really want to associate with them anymore. And so uh, one of <laughs> one of these uh, these friends uh, kept coming after me. And, you know, I, I always had a feeling she had a crush on me and I, uh, but I never was really aware. And it was like one of her best friends. And again, a very beautiful woman. And I was like, I don't really, sorry. Like, I don't want to be friends. I don't want to associate with anybody from that like time period. That's just like a really bad time in my life. Like I wish. Yeah. I could I've had that. that too. You just like want to forget it ever happened and just like, my, I, you know, yeah. 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 And you're just like anybody or anything. I mean, that's why I just leave furniture when I, when I leave girls, I'm just like, I don't want anything to do like half of this shit. I don't want any negative vibe or, you know, negative association, even with a TV or a couch. I don't want to look at this couch and remember bad times or anything like that. Right. Uh, or maybe I want to remember the bad times. With great <laughs> stories. You never know. You know, you never hey. know. Hey, Yahtzee, there it is. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, anyway, so, so this girl kept coming after me and I kept like turning her down and I'm like, no, I don't want to be friends. And so she was like, you were right the whole time. I always took your side. And it was just like kind of fishy to me. And I was just like, hmm. But it was like, I didn't think there was anything romantic involved. At least she right. alluded to that fact that it was not going to be romantic and she wasn't trying to date. She just wanted her to be a friend because I'm a great person and she knew I was going through a hard time. And obviously, um, you know, after several months and you're still kind of like broken up and just not the same person, um, you know, you're vulnerable. And so exactly. Yeah. That's after, what I was after several, several weeks, I'm like, all right, let's like meet up for a lunch or, you know, let's just like hang out. So we were like, started talking, we were just friends and it wasn't romantic or anything like that. And then, um, you know, she's a great person, you know, really attractive and, you know, we're both single. And so, uh, you know, I didn't really know where it was headed. And so, uh, this, one particular time, I think we were supposed to go to a dinner and this is like the pinnacle or maybe the turning point that it could turn romantic and it might be, you know, we got along really well. We were always laughing and it was like no pressure. You know, right. she, she wasn't like abusive and verbally abusive and like right. <laughs> the bar is pretty low for her to be. Yeah, a, right. Like, mood swings, in your like life. mood swings like you would not believe like, oh my God, like completely turn into a different person, you know, like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing. Yeah. And um, so this person's like, all right, you know, and I'm like, okay, yeah, let's, let's, let's grab a dinner and just, you know, hang out and chat and see what happens. And, you know, just, just playing it by ear. There's no pressure. It's not like yeah. a date or anything. I was like, could be a date. Is it a date? I don't know. It's, it's really unclear. It's like that gray area where you're like, Maybe it's unclear because she wants it to be a date. Maybe she, I don't know, whatever. Let's just see what happens. So yeah, my experience is that going into a situation like that with a gray area always ends well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And so uh, it was, it was interesting. And so uh, I'm at lunch and uh, I'm with, you know, my buddies, Jesse and Billy. And uh, I was at this place and it was called the Hollywood Way, and I was eating barbecue food, and it was in North Hollywood, and I don't feel bad for sharing the name because I had a terrible experience there, and I never go back. And um, so we go there. That was our local spot. We'd go for drinks, and this is when Fireball whiskey's a big deal. So we'd oh, go. Yeah. I was shot a Fireball and a beer, and, you know, that was our little pit stop. 
and uh, we're having lunch and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go see this girl later tonight. We're going to dinner, but we're having lunch with the boys right now. So we get these two waitresses and uh, I just thought it was odd that there's two waitresses, but you know, they normally do that when one's in training. Sure. So, uh, you know, I had, I actually hadn't drank at that point. And I was like, ah, oh, man, I need to loosen up a little bit. Uh, so I'm like, oh, we should make it a team. Like, we'll make it teams. So, like, wh whatever nationality you guys are and one of us is, then that'll be your team. Like, you could serve them and you could serve. So there's, I asked this waitress, I go, uh, what's, what's your ethnicity? And she goes, oh, I'm Italian. And I go, oh, I'm part Italian, too. So you're a spicy meatball, huh? And I didn't really understand that that can be taken as, you know, an insult. So, she's, so she got really offended and she was like, no, I'm not a spicy meatball. Are you calling me fat? And I go, no, spicy meatball. Everybody liking the spicy yeah. meatballs. And she's just not having it. And now she thinks I'm making fun of her ethnicity, you know, in Italians. And I'm like, I'm part Italian. And she's just like being rude. And so that was a huge swing and a miss. And so here's why that's important. So I'm like, all right, I really need like a drink. So I order a shot and a beer and I don't have 100% confirmation, but I am, I would say about 99% sure that she poisoned me. Oh God. In my shot or my beer. And so I don't know if you know this trick, but there's like a Visine trick. And I think that's what she did. Oh, right. And it like, and here's why that's important. So I take the shot. I drink my beer and whatever, and I'm with the boys, and I'm just like, this is awkward now. Now, like, every time she comes back, she's just glaring, and I'm embarrassed, and I'm like, get me out of here as soon as possible. I get the And I take off, and I tell, you know, my friends Billy and Jesse, and I'm like, hey, love you guys. You know, see you soon. Thanks for going to lunch. Barbecue was great. I get in my car. I had a truck at that time. And I start driving home, and all of a sudden i have the worst stomach cramps i've ever had like oh. in my life and i'm like what in the world is that and then i feel it and i just feel like the this is disgusting but like just the worst case of explosive diarrhea about right to come on. dumb and dumber so, style oh my god exactly like that literally yeah. exactly like that and so um and so I called Jesse and Billy and I'm like, where are you guys? I need to stop by your house because we were really close to their place. And they were like, oh, they left and they were like on the way back, but they didn't exactly make it back yet. And so I, I literally was about to like crap in my, like in my pants. I couldn't hold it. I don't know. I've never <laughs> felt like that before. That damn spicy meatball. She got me. Like, she got me good. So I literally was about to shit my pants. I pulled my truck. I, I didn't even have time to park it. I just pulled it in a random driveway that was by where Jesse lived. And I was running to his house to see if the door was unlocked, unlocked and I couldn't make it. Oh. And I literally had to pull my pants down and pull <laughs> over the sidewalk. Broad daylight, it's probably about 3 p.m. I'm in the middle of this city called North Hollywood and I'm shitting on the sidewalk like a crazy crackhead in the middle of the afternoon because this waitress poisoned me because I called her a spicy meatball. 
and I have a might be, might not be a date in like an hour. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask what the time frame was. Yeah, so you have like an hour? <laughs> not enough. I'm, I was supposed to be heading over to her place to just like run into her and then we're going to, you know, like go out to dinner. <laughs> so I'm shitting all over the sidewalk. Uh, I don't know what to do. I don't have toilet paper. There's like, like explosive diarrhea. It, it looked like somebody put like an M80 in my ass or something. It's gross. I, I'll, you know, leave out the gory details, but, uh, you know, some diarrhea got on my pants. <laughs> and all I could think about is this waitress and how I'm going to leave them just the worst Yelp review, you know? And I'm like, oh, get the last laugh. <laughs> I'm going to get them so good on Yelp. And, uh, and so Jesse finally get there. They're laughing hysterically. And I'm like, you guys, like, it's so all like run up to their, their bathroom and I just can't leave the bathroom. And at least there's toilet paper in there. And I'm just right. like, Dude, something is not right. Like, oh my God, what happened? Right. And so like, I stay there for a bit and I don't know. What Real quick do. was, did anybody notice you shitting in the middle of broad daylight? Did I, you have I, any interactions? I, I hope <laughs> not. I mean, no one was like walking by me. Yeah, you're just like, oh, hello, miss. <laughs> Don't <Yeah>. find me. <laughs> I didn't see anybody. Hopefully nobody saw me. I think I think I was so embarrassed <laughs> that I was trying to poop in this little like tree planter and it just I couldn't make it. It was an emergency. And so right. you know, spending uh, a little time at, you know, Jesse's place, I was like, right. All right, so then I had to go to this girl and go to her place and explain to her what happened. I mean, at this point we were good enough friends that I felt like I could be honest with her and we had that relationship and it wasn't like, you know, I was like, look, the waitress just poisoned me and I shit my pants. So I don't Did know. you smell like <laughs> shit if it was on your pants? Not that I know I knew of. <laughs> uh, I don't, I was just so embarrassed and this came out of left field. And so, um, and so she was really sweet. She was like, Oh, that's okay. We'll just stay in tonight. Here, I'll start a bath for you. You should definitely take a bath. And I'm like, yeah, I would love one. And it actually ended up being like a really sweet evening. And I was really embarrassed. But at that point, I always saw her as a friend and never as like a potential, you know, significant other. And right. So, uh, yeah. And so it was just, it just ended up being like really funny time and then you know eventually one thing to another we started seeing each other and that didn't work out and um yeah that was a whole another story but uh yeah it was just an interesting time of my life <laughs> that, that whole time and just you know going in and out of relationships shooting on sidewalks getting poisoned and so i did learn a very valuable lesson uh never willing either willingly or unwillingly insult the people that are serving you food because yeah this could definitely happen. And so, um, one of my more embarrassing dating stories. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a good one. Did you leave the Yelp review? I don't even think I did. I hope, <laughs> I, I hope that place closed down. Uh, I used yeah. to go in there and eating barbecue, but like, I, I never went back to that place, obviously for good reason. Right. I said I was going to go back and like yell at that waitress, but I'm just but, like, yeah. Uh, no, that uh, yeah, that's happened to me before. I'm, I'm indignant. Like it, I remember at U-Haul, like I couldn't get my truck. Like the whole system crashed for like three hours. And I was like, I'm gonna call them and do the thing, and then I, I don't, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that... Um, but so did when you started dating the friend of the ex, 
were they still friends? Were you still interacting with? No, not yeah. at all. Okay. Uh, all right. Not at all because I, I didn't want to have any mutual friends. I didn't want the ex to know what I'm doing or where I'm going because she would just tend right. to show, show up where I am. Right. Uh, you know, once I was off of tour and back home in LA, she would just show up at bars and like all the clubs I would go to, like she would show up. And so it got to this point where I started developing like anxiety. Like, is this psycho going to like be where I'm go planning on going tonight? And so I, I wanted to cut all ties. And so that's why I tried to cut with uh, her, with her friend. Right. Obviously she chose my side and she cut ties with, with that girl, with okay. this so-called Lori girl as well. Did but. you, um, did you take the threats from Lori seriously? Like when you were in Atlanta, was there any part of you that was like actually kind of fearful? Yeah. Or did you yeah, I had them like print out pictures of her. I didn't think she was going to show up because she said it was like her friends, but her family was from there. And so, uh, or around there in Georgia. And so it was just, I didn't really think anyone's going to happen. She's a crazy person, but you never know. I mean, you can, you know, you never know, especially when you leave somebody and you're pretty much supporting them. Right. Um, and then you give them, you know, fair warning for several months and then they never take your warning seriously and you just take off, you know, cause you fear for your safety. Um, it, it, it does, you, you don't know where, how they're going to react, you know? And so right. we, luckily the band has a security guard. And so he was notified. I mean, the club was notified over there. Sure. And, I mean, tour manager and everyone that, you know, works for us was notified, you know, for the, for the whole tour. I mean, obviously there's some safety precautions you need to take with a mentally unstable person like that. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of a, a crazy time in my life. Out yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's, and I know you already kind of touched on it. It's, it's, it's such a delicate thing because I mean, I can only like, I, I briefly dated, uh, 90, I was 99% sure that she was a heroin addict oh jeez. Uh, yeah and i and i i was totally ill-equipped to even handle a situation like that much less even uh just know that that's what was going on but it was like she would go to the bathroom and then come back out and like she was living in slow motion you know like on a dime she was slurring her speech and just like hey how's it going but she was like pretty and wanted to make out and so i was like i'm lonely this seems like a great idea Oh man. Um, and I took her to a new year's party with like a bunch of my college friends just cause I wanted them to see like, see, I've got a, a girlfriend. Look at me. Yeah. See, I did the thing. And, yeah. And then like within an hour, she was just like slumped against the wall talking to my friend's cat and like trying to take a, a Christmas sweater off of the host. And it was just like a total backfire. Like, Oh, oh my God. God. Uh, so then I like brought her back to her place and then, we got back to, to her place and it was like 11 and then she just like passed out and you know, I was like, well, I guess I'll go. And then I was walking out and then she like shouted down for like a Romeo and Juliet situation. I was like, Hey, you want to come back up and like start the new year? Right. And I was like, well, that does sound nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I went back up there and by the time I got back up there, she was passed out again. Was like, oh God. no damn it oh god <laughs> and so now it's like 11 30 and i'm like i'm not gonna be able to get cross town back to the party and so i go i just leave and then uh i got a parking ticket at like 11 50 on new year's eve oh, i was so angry 
And so then I just like sat on the curb and like, uh, that may have been the first year that you could like stream the ball dropping on your phone or whatever. And I yeah. just sat there just by myself, just like, well, I guess this is new here. And then oh, like went back yeah. to, went back to her, uh, I went back to the party at like 1230 and it was like, Looks like nothing's changed since college. I was like, gosh. Oh, God. <laughs> um, wow. So. And, uh, and then I didn't see her for a while. And then she showed up at a play I produced and was heckling the actors during the show. And like, it was just a thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I had to like kick her out at, at intermission. And there was some new guy there. And we didn't even say anything. Like, he clearly was like not okay with how she was acting. And we just had like a, a non-verbal, like he was like, ah, and I was like, mm, and just kind of like closed the door. It's like, You'll, you've learned, my friend, uh, yeah. get out now. Um, and, uh, and you know, it's obviously, and I've seen on Facebook that it seems like she's like gotten her life turned around and is like married and everything, which is oh. great. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you, you, there's this, it's, it's always kind of bittersweet to laugh at these things uh, just because you want them to get their life figured out and, and all that. I was just not the person we had only been seeing each other like six weeks. And it was like, I'm not the person to, to, to like, you know, uh, th this isn't my area yeah. of expertise. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So anyway, I've, I can relate on some level uh, oh, to, to winding up in, in uh, just, yeah, bad situations. Yeah. Um, I have quite the history of, of that stuff. And so, I mean, it's a work in progress and, and I've, you know, there comes a point in realization like, well, Chris, I mean, you can't date 12 crazy girls in a row. So maybe you're the person that's either driving them crazy or are you really just attracted to less than stable people? And so, um, you know, it, it's, I guess that's what's been going through my mind during <laughs> Um, you know, these times of quarantine and stuff and all these embarrassing times. And I'm just like, well, let's try to figure this out. So like what right. came up the horse or the cat? <laughs> Did I make them crazy or am I just literally attracted to people that are, you know, less than stellar, let's say. And so, um, you know, at some point you got to be honest with yourself. They can't, everyone else is not always the problem. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, maybe there's, you know, patterns of my behavior that, drive people off the edge or, you know, I, I live a, a pretty, I, I've really, really toned it down a lot. I used to live a very, you know, fun, active, uh, fast lifestyle. I'm, I'm a bit grown up now. I don't party as much and things like that. And so, I mean, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, yeah. maybe, maybe I just need therapy. You never know. <laughs> I need a therapist, but, uh, no, I, I can relate. I, I, for the longest time, I mean, thankfully, uh, Karina and I have been together for years and, you know, that's like the first real solid relationship I've ever had. But my, the thing I kept repeating was just going after people who weren't interested in me. You know, I'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, oh, I hear you, but yeah, you will be eventually. And then, yeah. you know, when I would finally have the realization or they'd tell me or whatever, I'd be like, oh, but, and then I would be heartbroken. It's like, no, but they've been telling me that for months. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> but I was just... So yeah, no, I finally just figured out like, oh, this shouldn't be a struggle. Like it should just work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, love makes you blind. You, yeah. so many relationships. Um, I mean, even my most recent one, you know, I cared for this person so much. I did things I've never would have expected myself to do. And, you know, you try so hard. You, you, when you care about somebody so much, you just ignore the red flags. Right. And, 
And, you know, there's things that as individuals will accept, there's things that we won't accept. And, you know, there's a level of, you know, treatment or respect or, you know, what, whatever. And there's so many things, you know, along the way that are red flags, but you just choose to be blind because you care about this person so much. And so, you know, right. like you, said, you know, with that ex, whether, you know, she, you know, she was like a, a heroin addict or, or whatever. Um, and I mean, it goes for, it goes both ways, you know? And so, it does definitely comes to, you know, a head when you're with somebody for years and you're living with them and, you know, and you try to bring up these situations and they just won't change or, you know, or right. whatever. And it's not necessarily their fault. That's the way they were, you know, it was, right. my, it was my choice to, I was at fault for expecting them to either change or improve. Exactly. You know? yeah. So, um, but I also don't want to be that person, you know, moving forward in my life and with relationships, be that person where if one girl does something that kind of irks me that I'm like, well, that's it. I'm out. I'm out of here. Yeah. yeah. She's like, Oh, like, you know, I say, I say y'all or say, you know, like, Oh, that's it. You know, it's been nice. Like I, I can't like really, you know, be that. I don't even know, like concerned with, you know, minimal issues, but right. Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, you don't want to live your life like Larry David or Seinfeld or somebody like exactly. on their shows, you know, yeah. where it's like, <laughs> their hands I, are too big or whatever. <laughs> I, I feel myself literally when I'm watching Curb Enthusiasm, pausing the show, like I don't know if anyone else has this issue. Whenever like shows get awkward or there, there's like a lot of tension, I have to pause it because I like, <laughs> physically cannot take it and I'll be by myself. Oh my God, I must be the worst person. To, I'm, I, I'm a lot better when someone else is watching the show with me. Uh, but I'm so like, whenever it's awkward, I'll literally go like, ah, oh, it's like that gritting your teeth emoji. Yeah. And I'll just pause it and I'll just, I'll get on my phone. And so it'll literally take me an hour to get through <laughs> a 20 minute episode sometime right. or maybe even longer. What, you know, <laughs> so it was like an hour long episode and I started it at like nine. The next thing I know it was like two 30 and I was just finishing the episode. I'm like, what the hell have I been doing? And it's because of all of these, awkward all the awkwardness. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm awful. Sure. <laughs> well uh i hope you know i hope you uh you get it figured out sooner than later for your for your own well-being but you know it's all uh, it's all a learning process yeah it's a work in progress it really it, is you know it is and i'm pretty sure i'll never figure it out uh <laughs> i'm positive i'll never figure it out but you know at least you get stories in the meantime and you have memories some some of those memories you want to repress some of them you know you want to remember for the lonely night. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. To keep you nice and warm. Mm. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, you just got to keep on trying, I guess. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, speaking of, like, continuing to try, I want to talk some about um, uh, sort of pre-you joining Black Veil Brides uh, and just the struggle of being a musician. I think oftentimes, once you've reached uh, success, which you and the band have, um, it's easy to kind of, just uh, skim past all of the struggles, um, not in your day-to-day -day life, but just in conversation. You know, if you're doing interviews and stuff, oftentimes people just want to hear about the, you know, the highlights, but I am all about the lowlights. <laughs> so uh, I'm just curious, you know, like, um, what was the, for anybody watching, we've, we're doing a, a Black Belt Brides documentary series on Patreon, which myself and Patrick Fogarty have been putting together and all the members have, have talked about a variety of subjects, but, you know, Cece, I know you talked about like working in a, in a hospital and sort of having all these false starts with fans and all that stuff. So 
I'm just kind of curious if you, you know, just want to kind of do a deep dive on like what that early struggle up until joining uh, Black Veil was like. Sure. And so like all dating stories, um, obviously tie that into this. Uh, once you get, I got the success and I was in a popular band, you know, girls are just throwing themselves. And so there was no problem. And right. There was a point where I literally like couldn't even buy a date. Like no girls would even look in my vicinity and it was during this time, you know, struggling musician and to um, make myself and stuff like that. So, you know, I had like a real steam, but I was giving my all. Um, I was working in a hospital. I had several different jobs, but the first one, the worst position I had at this hospital I was working in a chart room. So it was before the um, implementation of like computers and stuff like that. And so... Um, it was a chart room. Sorry, you were kind of cutting it out. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it was. We called it the chart room, and it was before the, all of like the medical records uh, have been, you know, ac- uh, kind of transitioned into electronic. Digitized. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, on, on computers and stuff, and so it was this library of everyone's um, medical records, and it was like a like that scene that's in I Love Lucy, where like it keeps coming down the conveyor belt that would come down and it would be like an order for a medical record and it's just like thousands a day and i just have this big stack and every single day i would uh i would have to like pull these charts and send them to appropriate places or doctors or offices or wherever every single day needed help doing it because i was never fast enough so i had like and i was on call for this job and for some reason i was on call but i was full-time and so pretty much what they did is they just wanted to have on-call employees. Uh, yeah. So not have to pay them, pay for their health insurance. But they worked uh, a full time. You know what I mean? And gotcha. so in lieu of that, I think I got a dollar extra per hour being on-call, you know, and I put that, I use that term loosely. And so uh, every single day I had this hope that I wouldn't get called and get a day off, but it never came. And every morning at about 5.30 or 6 in the morning, I'd hear the phone ring and I'd punch the wall because I was so angry and uh, you know, it was a very dark time in my life. Every day when I'd wake up before I would even exhale my first breath of the day, I'd already already been like, Oh, today sucks. Just yeah. like, that's how miserable I was. And so. Um, well, and particularly just to, because it's like, you're already working a job you don't like and not and having that slight hope that you aren't going to have to go in that day, you know, like to not just know your schedule like concrete exactly. every day. Like there's, oh, I can't think of a worse way to start your day. Exactly. Every single day, like Monday through Friday. And, you know, I was like working, I was auditioning for all these different bands and, you know, that was my, my ticket out. That was my way out. Um, like that's know. just mentally how you were able to get through the day. Like, all right, I'm doing No, this, no. But- it was the dream of like being able to, you know, have music as a career. Right. And so that was like my hope and my like my faith to get through every single day without jumping off the roof, of right. the building, you know. Yeah. And so um, I was living at my parents. I mean, I wasn't making enough to like really save up and move out. I, I was just in this like limbo purgatory area. And so I was. And how old were you at this point? Uh, early twenties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I would. Well, I don't know. Twenty-one, twenty-two. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get out. I was stuck in a rut and I was auditioning for all these bands. And, you know, obviously I had my hopes and like, oh, maybe this one will take off or maybe this one will go 
and all these different bands all over LA and I would drive, you know, after work sometimes like 50 miles to go rehearse each way, you know, load my drums up in my truck, drive 50 miles, go rehearse, load the drums back up in my truck and then drive back home. It was constantly just trying to, you know, to be successful in music and doing these things. And, you know, along the way, I met a lot of people. One thing led to another. And then I eventually got into a band um, that was, you know, was touring uh, and stuff like that. But before that, um, there was this band. I think their name was Foolproof. And I remember hearing their song. This is back in like the pop punk days. And they were signing, they were going to be signed to a record label called Island. I think it was Island. And, um, and I had, a, I had an audition and I was like, oh my God, this is it. Dude, they're doing a European tour in like a month. Oh my God, like this is my ticket out, right? And so I was so nervous and I put so much pressure on myself for this, um, this audition. I know I could, you know, I mean, it wasn't a difficult drum, like it wasn't that hard drum playing. I knew I could nail the drum parts, but yeah. I just didn't know if it would fit, you know, like personality wise and stuff like that. And I was, I never like the whole audition process because you know i have like self-esteem issues and stuff like that so um i auditioned i nailed the drums and i was just so like and they weren't like i could tell they were kind of just like he's really good but they weren't convinced and so i tried to like go over and above and i just started asking these guys complete strangers so what signs are you guys like, <laughs> i want to see if we would match up like and be buddies like cosmically <laughs> I have no idea why i asked this question because i am not i know nothing about astrology and, or that's why i'm laughing because like you know i mean i've known you for like eight or nine years at this point and uh yeah do you have do you ever think <laughs> i would say that to a, a group of strangers that like well i'm really nervous trying to like get a job pretty much that's like it's like you going into a job interview and asking like you know the the head boss or the person interviewing you, what sign are you? I want to see if I work out for this position. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? I was just nerves, and I just knew I blew it. And I remember uh, my buddy Taylor back then. He w- was at the audition, and I was like, "What the hell was wrong with me? Why would I even say things like that?" <laughs> so I knew I blew it, and I was like super bummed. And I thought that that was like my ticket out, and I just totally. Yeah blew my shot what did they say when you asked them about that i think they were like what (laughs) and they were like in shock and i was like oh never mind that was a stupid question like and they're just like what's wrong with this guy and so um and this is totally out of character i wouldn't even do that and i think it was like you know i'm not a very religious person but maybe like divine intervention because had i not blown that interview I would have went on tour and that band never really did much to, to my knowledge at least. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up getting in another band that was signed uh, or I started another band, co-started a band with a guy named Johnny and it was called Silent Civilian. And it was like a heavy metal band type thing. And we ended up like touring the country for years and got signed and all that. And so that was kind of um, the foundation for my success. And I was starting to see it, you know, touring and making money. And doing that but had i not blown that interview and asked stupid questions like something made me do it you know <laughs> have you heard of like have you heard of a guardian angel oh yeah there's like there's like definitely somebody that wants to just sprinkle a little shit no pun intended you know just yes. you know like into your life 
And I always joke that um, Judas is my guardian angel. He's just yeah. always there to just trip me while I'm walking or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. So that, that was definitely, he was definitely present um, during that audition. And anyways, yeah. So I started touring and in between tours, you know, I was working at the hospital. Once I started touring, um, I definitely earned my stripes. So I was in this band, Silent Civilian, and we were cutting our teeth, man. We were touring nonstop, literally like sometimes five months in a row on the road. Like we wouldn't even be home to see our families or anything. And we were just trying so hard and we were constantly playing. These and how long have you been like uh, playing and auditioning and doing all the stuff before that band happened? Man, oh my God, I was doing that ever since high school. So like years, yeah. uh, at, at least like five years, I want to say. And you know, it's, it's really disheartening. And you, you always, I always had these bands, you know, swearing, up and down that they were the next biggest thing and they're getting signed to this label and uh all these bands always swear up and down that they're going to be like the best best band and they're going to be huge and so you know constantly being let down by all these tall tales you know you kind of lose your uh, uh saying my internet is unstable why is it so bad today? sorry uh, okay. it, you kind of like lose your drive and you know you're hoping it and ambition you know when you're constantly let down by all these things and so i was touring and i thought that was it and sure enough uh we weren't making money i couldn't afford like stuff off the dollar menu and um just you know like good business practices weren't put into place and uh i think and that's well, sorry that's where you were financially even after you've been touring for five months straight yeah i mean we even oh, had God. to like sell gear and like i for Everyone that says, like, I didn't earn my stripes, my parents would send me, like, boxes of Trisky, and I would have to, like, go in a taco, and I'll never forget this, and steal hot sauces, and squirt those on, like, the crackers and eat that for dinner. That's how broke I was. All my credit cards went into collection collections. I mean, like, I ended up dating a, a stripper at some point, so she could, sure. like, pay, pay my bills, and which, you know, I'm not very proud of, but yeah uh, obviously that wasn't the only reason i don't want to say that was the only reason sure yeah it was a benefit <laughs> yeah it was just like well and she was actually really good to me and took care of me and stuff like that and so it was i just thought it was again divine intervention like oh she enters my life i'm at a, you know in a very poor financial spot and so um yeah and so it just got to this point to where i couldn't take it anymore you know like i literally almost died a couple of times on the road from dehydration or whatever and um, I was in emergency emergency rooms. I got admitted, and like I was like, "This is gonna kill me." And I was I was okay with dying at that point because you know I was living my dream, but I wasn't like financially, you know, um, winning or anything like that. And so right. I left I left that band, and I ended up working back at the hospital and like you know doing like uh, odd jobs, working at the care center and stuff like that. How hard was it to go back to the hospital after you'd been on tour for five months? I felt completely defeated. Like yeah. I was the biggest failure, you know, and then yeah. going, uh, being in a, you know, a touring band and having like endorsements and stuff like that, getting like, you know, free drums and things like that. And then being on, you know, this is when MTV two used to play like, you know, they had headbangers ball and they'd play like rock videos. So being on like MTV two and stuff like that. And then you go back to like guitar center where everyone's just like, yeah, I'm going to be a big star one day. Or it's like, it's like the, the like where the the should have been work you know and like oh, I, I was i almost made it you know and then I, I blew up my knee and couldn't perform on stage anymore it was like all those guys go so i was like stuck in that crowd i was just like oh my god and then i had to get out of there so then i went back to the hospital 
and I wasn't working in the chart room anymore. I was working like reception and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. I remember just feeling one day, just feeling so like the biggest failure and just feeling so defeated because I was like, as a receptionist, like checking people in for their doctor's appointments. And I had to like deliver mail to the, like all of the doctors. And one doctor was like really condescending to me or something. And I was like, dude, I just was in a band with a Grammy nominated artist. And here I am like pushing a cart, like being a mailboy in a hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, what am I doing? I'm not doing uh, like I'm screwing up. And so, um, you know, it, 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 a lot of those times are why I'm so, I like, I'd like to think why I'm so grounded still, because had I not had those, you know, those failures in my life, I think in everything, you know, I, I needed to be told no by the, the so-called universe, you know, like the time wasn't right or whatever, you know, and, and it made me appreciate success. So when I would be playing, you know, main stage at a festival in England, performing in front of 90,000 people, um, you know, I would, I, I couldn't help but think back at those times, like, you know, thank God I'm not pushing that mail cart down the aisle. I'm just having like everyone look at me like I'm a piece of gum stuck under their shoe. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it gave you a perspective. Yeah, it definitely gave me a lot of perspective and I'm very appreciative. Like now that not everything I was hoping for and dreaming for came true immediately. You know what right. I mean? I think it definitely gave me a, a long life lesson. And I think that's something that if I ever have children, I can, you know, hopefully instill that type of um, work ethic and you got to keep trying. And, you know, if this doesn't happen, I can instill that. So, yeah, so it's just uh, before all that, and then you know, getting into my band, I, I found, I just threw out the, met a couple guys. And so they ended up getting into the band. I'm in now, Blackville Brides. And eventually there was an opening and I got in. And so, you know, I've been doing this for over 10 years now. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting story how all of these fails and, and things kind of led to this. And then all of, you know, now, you know, you have all the success, travel over the world. You win ton boards and you have a, a gold single and all these fancy plaques. And then, you know, you're looking for back on tour and uh, there's this global pandemic that's easy. And so then, you know, now we're stuck inside. And so it's just kind of like waiting, waiting around until we get the okay to go outdoor. And, you know, and for me, it's only live my dream again. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I'm sure everything, you know, you've been through kind of in a way maybe helped with where you're at now. Cause it's like, all right, I've been down before. I'm down now, as everybody is. You know, I can bounce back or, you know, something. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I've had I've had a really rough year, too. And surprisingly, I mean, it's, um, you know, there's like some personal that really go to, but um you know, I have um, a relationship end this year in a very traumatic way. I mean, haven't even publicly announced that really. And so um, I, I try to keep that side of my personal life private, obviously, yeah. until it's all over. One of my dogs recently like passed away. Um, so that was uh, March 31st. And, you know, like I said, like this global pandemic. And so um, I don't know. I think it's just important that during these times we just, you know, Instead of me, I, I, instead of me just constantly reminding myself of all these awkward, embarrassing stories and things that I, things I should have said, things I should have done, things I shouldn't have done, you know, big mistakes I've made. I mean, there are also great memories that I kind of force myself to remember to try to stay positive and you know 
get myself through this. I mean, I have had some really dark times this year, but surprisingly, I'm in a, a great healthy place. And I attribute that to, you know, friends such as yourself and, you know, doing these types of things and um, FaceTiming and, you know, having just good people chat all over the world, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's, believe me, I'm the same way. Like, I still just, like, sometimes I'll just, like, be walking. It'll just look like I'm, like, I don't know, having a seizure or something where I'll just be, like, on the couch or walking. And then I'll think of, like, some awkward thing that happened in high school and just be like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then, uh, and then I just have to remember, it's like, you've come a long way since then. Let's look at it that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, same, same for me. I I have so many embarrassing stories. And I mean, I could write a whole book on them. Uh, but yeah, that's for a couple today. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. No, definitely. Well, thanks yeah. so much for coming on, man. I, I, I really appreciate it. Hopefully I'll see you soon. Yeah, for, yeah, I hope this ends. We can hang out soon, man. Thanks so much for having me, Joe. I really I'll assume you said I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I really appreciate it. Maybe that's when I touch this thing. I don't know. I really appreciate it, dude. Thanks for having me. Definitely. That was the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again uh, for Chris for, for coming on. It was a lot of fun talking with him and, and learning a lot of uh, new stuff about the struggles of, uh, of making it in this city. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I'm going to try and do these as often as I can. Um, so make sure you're subscribed, whether it's to the YouTube channel or, uh, on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. So you don't miss a new episode. Um, yeah, this is, uh, it feels good to be back doing this. So I hope everybody's doing okay. Uh, thank you so much to all the people who have emailed me over the last couple of months, just to, to let me know that they miss the show and you know, they enjoy it. Um, as I'm, I know I've said, sometimes it feels like you're just, I'm just putting this stuff out into the void. And so it's really nice to know that, uh, you know, the show had some impact on your day-to-day -day life. So thank you for that. If you'd like to email me, it's badtimesgoodstoriespodcast at gmail.com. That's all I've got. So until next time, keep laughing.